Welcome to the Real Estate Raw Show, hosted by Joe Mendoza. Tough times don't last, tough people do. Ladies and gentlemen, get your seatbelts ready because, oh my goodness, Mr. Dave Seymour just unloaded. I mean, this gentleman has been through some tough times, but like I said, he came out like a champ. So check this out, guys. Sit back, relax, enjoy the show. Get ready for some serious golden nuggets. Subscribe, like, follow, share. You know it. Take care, guys. God bless. Enjoy the show. Thank you so much for watching. Hi, guys. Joe Mendoza here in sunny San Diego. Welcome to my show. Thanks so much for subscribing. I'm super, super excited to have Mr. Dave Seymour on the show. He's got an incredible background. He's been nationally recognized as a real estate expert. He was on A&E's, these house flipping shows you see. Yes, he was on there too. But now he's up to bigger and better things. Welcome to the show, Mr. Dave Seymour. How are you? I'm well, Joe. I was doing well until you opened up your commentary with sunny San Diego. Because <laughs> I'm, in, I'm, in, uh, I'm in boring, drippy, cold, sloppy Boston right now. So... <laughs> Thank you very much for depressing me even more than was necessary. Sorry I'm to well, run that man. in. Sorry to run yeah. that in. <laughs> you San Diego guys, you're all the same. You all surf. You got great tans. You always smile. And life is just perfect. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was out there uh, one summer in Boston. And yeah. what an incredible place. I mean, my kids were like, Dad, I think I want to go to school here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I tell you, you know, I make fun of the Boston weather and, and the fact that we live in Taxachusetts, but, um, you know, the history in Boston is is phenomenal. It's such a cool place. You know, if you actually go into the city itself and you, you know, you do the uh, the, the red line um, uh, trail that they do there, the historic trail in Boston and summertime's great with the swan boats and all of that good stuff. The only problem is, is I'm originally from England. I'm actually an immigrant to the United States. Mm -hmm. So I have a little bit of a pushback with this whole red coat and independence thing. You know what I mean? Yes, Throwing the yes. tea, tea in the tea in the harbor and all that stuff. But other than that, I get around it. You know what I mean? I make it happen. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, Good. I can't forget the lobster rolls, even at McDonald's. I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't recommend a Mickey D's lobster roll. If you want a good lobster <laughs> roll, come up here on the North Shore. You want to go up to some of our smaller places on the North Shore and up in Maine. That's where you get a good lobster roll. Well, if that's an invitation, Dave, I think I might hit you up. <laughs> Brother, the door is open. Come on up. The water's fine. Whenever you're ready, I'm here. Awesome. Awesome. So let's get to it, Dave. My yeah. audience who doesn't know you, tell them a little bit about this you know, immigration to the U.S. Yeah. and kind of the backstory, how you got into real estate. Yeah, I'll try and be succinct. Uh, I am an immigrant to the States. I came over back in 86. I was born in London. I was raised in, in the south of England in an incredibly uh, blue-collar family. And with that blue-collar family mindset came a lot of uh, financial illiteracy is what I, I term it today. But um, I followed my first wife to the States. I was in school in London. Um, we were working together. We were dating. And her visa was running out. And uh, I'm, I'm an impetuous young man back then. I'm, I'm 19 years old. And I told my father I was emigrating, uh, joining the United States Air Force and getting married. And uh, he was a little taken aback at the time. We had a few words about it, but uh, I did it. So I came to the States and um, 
the first three years I was uh, stateside, um, a little um, lacking in direction is probably the best way to put it. Um, I grew up in a culture that was very oriented towards drinking and I had a few demons that I needed to exercise at, at that moment in my life. I actually got sober at the age of 23. I'm now, I'm now 55 years old. So I, I've been on. Congratulations. I've been on. Thanks, brother. Yeah, it's funny. A, a friend of mine reached out to me recently, and um, we're launching a podcast ourselves soon. And I'd love some reciprocity. Um, and it's it's going to be called the Soberpreneur from um, from isms to impact because you know that there's a lot of there's a lot of um, lessons to be learned in, in the personal development side and, and, and getting well, if you will. Um, anyway, so I, you know, I get sober at 23, I move up to New England and a friend of mine up here who um, was, a, was a cool guy, he said to me, he goes, you know what, why don't you think about the fire service or, or being a police officer? And I, you know, real estate was never on my radar. It wasn't something that I was aspiring to do or to be. And um, I, I, I took the exam for the fire department up here in Massachusetts in a city called Lynn, where I was living at the time. Lynn, Massachusetts, got a little moniker. It says, Lynn, Lynn, the city of sin. You never come out the way you went in. Um, that's where I was living. So I'm in Lynn, Massachusetts. I'm married. I have a young son who's now 27. And um, I tested for the fire department and I tested for the police department actually in Miami. Kind of, kind of a contradiction. Well, anyway, cards come in the mail and I've been accepted to the fire department and to Miami PD all at the same time. Wow. So, right, I got a decision. Do I want to be Don Johnson, right? And, and live that world? Or, or, you know, do I want to stay where I was? And, and you know, I took the easiest, softer way, I think. You know, I, I, I didn't have to uproot a family and move, move down to Miami. So I took the job as a firefighter and a medic. And I, I freaking loved it, Joe. I mean, I took to paramedicine and firefighting uh, literally like a duck takes the water. And I think for me, it was a case of, I love camaraderie. I love team effort. I'm an adrenaline junkie. Uh, I'm a contrarian human being, I think. When everybody else goes in one direction, I kind of put my hand up and say, wait a minute, what's going on? And look at the other direction. And um, during that time, I was working construction on my days off. But if you listen to the, to the story I share, with that, I bought financial illiteracy. And I, like maybe some of your listeners resonate with, is the fact that in America, they've got this thing where they allow you to spend more money than you earn. They don't teach financial literacy. They don't tell you what, what the, 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 the disastrous effects of uh, illiteracy around credit cards. They don't talk about you know, keeping up with the Joneses and the price that you pay. And for me, I was working 120 hours every single week, Joe. Fire department, construction, and retail security on my nights and uh, on nights and weekends. Wow. And um, there's a price that you end up paying for that. And the price was the relationships. My marriage crumbled. Um, I nearly lost the relationship with my then eight-year-old son, Robert, who's now, like I said, 27. And um, it was a dark time for me, man. I'll be very frank with you. I, uh, you know, it was the closest I came to a drink in, in that, you know, 30, almost 32 year run was, was during those darker days. And um, I was divorced. I was going through some challenges uh, in about a year, year and a half. And um, I remember, 
this is so bizarre. I'm, I, I see old Mr. Kiyosaki sitting on your, your shelf behind you there, right? And um, I got to a point in my life where I, it was dark. And I, I, look, I'm a man of faith, not necessarily a man of religion. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm sitting in my F-150, and I still drive an F-150 today, by the way. Uh, sitting in my F-150 pickup truck, and I'm screaming and shouting at my guy upstairs. And I'm like, I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. I trade time for money. I've done the very best I could. And yet everything is just turned upside down, inside out, and back to front. You know, blue pill, red pill, Alice in Wonderland. And I'm, I'm screaming and crying and, and shouting. And in that moment of clarity, dressed up as insanity, a commercial came on the radio in my truck. Teach me foreclosure. A free one and a half hour seminar. Nice. <laughs> Dude, I'm like, what? You know, like the head explosion moment. And for me, it was a moment of inception. It was a moment of grace. It was a moment of, of truth, uh, authenticity. I talk a lot about to thine own self be true. And I had to listen. I had to pay attention. Those that seek shall find. And I was in a moment where I was a vessel. I'm, I'm looking for, for the, next, the next move. And um, that was it, man. And I never looked back. I went, I went as, a, as a student at a seminar. Uh, with my then new wife, Mary Beth, who I met um, in, the, in the labor and delivery room at Salem Hospital when I was paramedic training. And we, uh, I say we invested $27,000 in my education. She did. She put it on our credit cards. Um, but I was accountable now for the first time in my life. And I began to understand this journey of entrepreneurship, personal development first, business development second, and then implement what I was learning. And nobody implemented better than I did. And then the journey just started from there. So that's the short version. There's a lot of, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in between there, but that's, that's who I am. That's where I came from. I'm a blue collar guy today in a white collar world. And um, I, I wear that moniker with pride, not as a detriment, it's an asset. And um, you know, implementation is the key to salvation. So that's where it all began, Joe. I hope that was clear enough. Oh, very clear, very clear. And I share somewhat similar uh, story in a different costume, so to speak. So I sure. get it, man. I, I totally appreciate you being super transparent with the audience. Yeah. And let's start to uncover some of that, if you don't mind. No, anything you want, man. Anything all you right. Want. All right. Sure. Well, I appreciate it. So there's some people in the audience, maybe also wearing a different costume, uh, you mentioned like three multiple different jobs and that big mm. epiphany of seeing mm. this commercial and like, mm. wow, right? Mm. So in that moment, you know, I'm a firm believer. Sometimes you have to make that sacrifice where you got to give up something to get something. Sure. And in that moment of that epiphany of like, okay, let me start training and educating, which some of my audience is probably doing right now. What were some of like the immediate things you started to give up in order to give yourself a little bit more time and prioritize this other new journey? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really good question. And, um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rebut a little of it. And here's why. Here's why. I've figured out in my own journey as an educator over the years that if I explain to somebody that there is a sacrifice uh, you got to give something up. Um, if I say to them, you got to get outside your comfort zone, right? 
Um, if you want something different, you got to do something different. Like there's so much of that, that messaging behind personal and business development. And what I've seen in my own career, and I know you're a phenomenal coach and you've, you've seen the results in your business. What I found out is, is if I, if I approach or listen to somebody and I explain to them that they need to make sacrifices, I think people are inert in the sense that they're lazy. They want an easier, softer way. And if they think it's going to be painful, if they think it's going to require sacrifice, a lot of people will step away from it. So I did sacrifice, Joe, right? So now I'm going to contradict myself. Yes, I sacrificed. I sacrificed a lot of my friendships. I sacrificed a lot of my, my connections to old thinking. But for me, it was delivered in a positive manner, right? It's a positive experience. Um, what would it be like if I no longer had to consistently be worrying about making my bills. That's what somebody said to me. He said, what would it be like if, if on the first of the month, there was an increase in my bank account due to passive cash flow from real estate investments I had made because I was educated enough to do a good deal? What would that be like? What would it be like for you and your family if you decided, I'm going to take three weeks, a month, two months off. I'm going to go spend time with the people that I love. I've created enough systems and processes underneath me to be able to know that it will run without me. What would it be like if you could just turn around to your wife and kids, David, say to Mary Beth and the boys, let's get out of here. Let's just, let's just go to sunny San Diego for a month and hang out with Joe and his crew. What would that be like? And um, for me, it allowed me to begin to experience the positive side of, of real estate investing because it's real. It's absolutely real. Everything that I just described to you, I've experienced it in my own life, right? Um, so the sacrifices that I made, I changed my vocabulary, the adjustments that I made, and the choices that I made required for me personally to start to disassociate from broke thinking, to disassociate from the people that said, you can't do that. You're a firefighter and a paramedic. Who do you think you are, Donald freaking Trump? That's Tell right. me I can't do something and they'll watch me operate, right? That, that's my DNA. So it's hard because sometimes it's, it's somebody's significant other that is the biggest naysayer in, in a development journey. And it, you know, God is good in my life, brother, because he gave me a woman that said, I'm never going to be upfront. I don't want to, I don't want to get involved in all of that. She said, but I promise I'm going to choke up and cry. She said, I promise you that I will be the foundation that you get to stand on so that you can look cool and go take care of that family. And um, that's my wife, brother. That's my wife. So I sacrificed, you know, the new and improved 20th century family. We're, we're Victorian and conventional, man, and it works in our home, right? Um, outside the house, I'm a rock star. Inside the house, I do as I'm told. And, you know, it works, brother. It might not work for everybody. It works for me. So, I'm laughing, you know, Dave, because I could totally relate. You get it, right? I mean, I, I, somebody once taught me happy wife, happy life. <laughs>
Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes when yeah. I'm stubborn, I, it yeah. just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Look, silly things. It's like, um, you know, and, and both roles are as important as the other. I mean, the hardest job my beautiful wife has is raising my two young sons, 11 years old and nine years old, taking these little, these little soon to be men and giving them, you know, what they need to be great men. You know, obviously I'm their father, I'm Superman, you know, dad's all that in a bag of chips, but she's, she's the one, she's the nurturer, she's in there 24 seven. So when all of those things are, are, are coming together in grace, get out of my way now. Now I'm gonna, you know, I'm a hundred million dollar private equity investor. I do hundreds of millions of dollars worth of development real estate. It's like, well, this is easy compared to, you know what I'm saying? Oh, so, Dave, I could totally relate and see. So yeah. I'm glad you're sharing that with the audience. Like I said, I really appreciate the open and transparency that you're bringing to the table because much often do I see when I'm coaching somebody if that yeah. foundation at home isn't strong, that rock at home yeah. is yeah. incongruent to the way you want to be. Well, that's it's a tough. little bit or maybe a big bit of that anchor holding somebody back. Sure. So sure. let's let's jump into some of the real estate stuff. Like when yeah. when you started getting into it, I'm sure you didn't jump into or maybe maybe not. Maybe um, maybe share with the audience. What did it take to start getting into the hundred million equity funds and all that? Did you start right away or was it? Oh, dear Lord, no, no, it's a process, right? Everything, excuse me, everything in this business is a process. It's not an event, right? Um, your education doesn't put a $30,000 check in your pocket in 24, 48 hours. That's called a lottery ticket. And right. there's a huge difference between that and a business, right? So for me, the first deal was a $5,000 wholesale transaction. I got a check in my hand for five grand. And I looked at that check and I gave it a name. I called it a shut up check. And I showed it to everybody who said I couldn't do it. And I showed them the check and I said, shut up. See, that's five grand. And then I thought about the amount of time I would generally trade for a $5,000 deal, right? For, to make $5,000. So that was step one. And then I did it again. And once I've done something once, you can't ever tell me I can't do it again. And you begin to get uh, velocity and momentum and consistency and process. And I began to, to document my journey. And um, one of the things that, that I've, I've hung my career and the help that I've given other people on is that knowledge is not power. No, there's nothing powerful about knowledge up until the point that it's implemented. Um, I've, I've, I've coached Harvard degree scientists of real estate and i've had to slap them severely about the chops because all they want to do is is pontificate on how smart they are and how cool their freaking spreadsheets are and it's like how much capital did that spreadsheet put in your in your bank account and they go zero because they didn't have the balls to make the offer right yeah <laughs> implement what you're learning understand that it's okay to fail forward and um, that's what I did. I went at it with, with, with vicious abandon, wholesale deal, wholesale deal, get a little capital, first investment deal, buy, fix and flip, got a little bit more capital and another one and another one. And then I was a lender and then I was a passive investor. I've got two units, four units, six, 10, 12, 30, 40 units. I'm beginning to get that momentum going. Um, 
you know, the, the, the high points of the career was, was a 40 unit uh, portfolio of, of mixed um, properties, some 12, some twos, some fours, some threes in a C plus neighborhood. I didn't know one tenant. I had zero of my own capital in the deals because I refinanced out every cash transaction I made. I, I, I understood that process. I had a partner that managed everything. So he dealt with all the horror stories and, and we, and we 50, 50 owners in it, beautiful little deal. We just uh, liquidated out of that because the market is so silly right now. Uh, and it's like a, an, an infinite return. It's like 6,000% return because I learned the power of other people's money. I learned the power of teaching somebody financial intelligence gives you the ability to grow your business and take care of them as investors. So uh, pre-COVID, um, I was involved in a hard money lending business. We were working with a $50 million line of credit, uh, seven um, loan originators work, working in the, the, the non-QM buy, fix and flip marketplace, up to four units. Pretty standard, you know, 70% loan to values, couple of deals underneath their belt, FICO score of at least 670, I think was the, was the cutoff, something like that. Um, you know, a good database of borrowers. You know, we had about 18 million in the pipe right as COVID hit and it put us out of business in three days because New York and Wall Street stopped buying our notes. Like I, I progressed to the point of being able to buy and sell mortgages and notes and, you know, financial commodity. And, um, you know, that was it, man. It, it was like inside every, inside every perceived tragedy, it's either a tragedy or it's an opportunity, right? I mean, that's, that's really it. Is this the end of the world or is this the beginning of something else? And for us, it was the beginning of our commercial investment company that we're running today, two years later. Um, I partnered with a gentleman by the name of Walter Novicki. Walter is... Um, ex-special forces he's a couple of years older than me um he's got my six my three my my, my 12 my he's got all the dial of the clock covered like if you know if you look to the left and you look to the right and you have that imagery of of, of, a, of a team that's locked arms and, and going out for good it's nothing better than doing great work and making great money at the same time and walter and i a couple of war horses been through a couple of cycles together um, you know, we looked at the landscape and said, let's, let's create a private equity fund of 100 mil and let's deploy that capital in the Florida market where supply and demand is absolutely through the roof. And um, I'm not invested in California, Joe. I'm not invested in Massachusetts. I like to invest where I'm welcome and where business is welcome. And uh, that's what we did. So that fund um, is about to close down any day now. We've started to do a couple of syndicated assets. The amount of money, that, look, man, this is like a, a 12 to 14 year journey from that first check of five grand to being where we are today, right? It's the process. It's not the event um, of, of real estate investing. But today we have about um, $250 million worth of development transactions um, that we're working on. Uh, because we started to see the amount of compression of capitalization rate in multifamily investing, which is our true skill sets. Um, you know, all this California money, no disrespect, New York money, no disrespect, institutional money. But, you know, if they can get anything better than a two and a half percent return on their money, they're excited. Right. So they come in with their two and a half expectation where they 
shrink the cap rate, increase the, the, the cost of, of these acquisitions. So we said, where can I find yield for my investors? Well, we immediately were able to pivot over and transition into um, uh, build for rent. So we are building single family homes in rental communities. So I've got about 600 single family homes that we're gonna be building over the next 36 months. Um, and everything is down in Florida. And um, we're building our headquarters down there on McGregor Boulevard in Naples. And um, we start scraping ground in the next, probably in the next couple of weeks to a month on a 106 unit apartment complex consisting of five buildings, three stories high. So um, I'm busy, brother. I'm busy. So yeah, it started with a little deal. And now it's now it's just more zeros on the way in and zeros on the way out. That's exciting. That's exciting. So what gets you out of bed? Uh, if there's a sweet spot for buy criteria, what's that sweet yeah. spot? Yeah. So for me, there's two sweet spots that we focus on today. My sweet spot is um, apartment complexes, existing structures, value add opportunistic that can be taken down at a maybe five to six capitalization rate on the buy side. Um, and then for me, the exit numbers, uh, I, need, I need that opportunity to really juice the NOI, to really improve that asset, the investor base, uh, the tenant base, and be able to you know, offer my investors 8% cash on cash, their IRRs over a three to five year hold, um, you know, my investors have an expectation of 12 to 15%. Um, I keep the expectation at those numbers because I have a lot of confidence in what I do, knowing that I'm going to over deliver uh, on my asset class. So that's my sweet spot on existing. Um, then my sweet spot on development side is, is just the right um, uh, geographic uh, area. I'm not buying lots in the middle of Florida. I'm buying lots where people are moving to in Florida. So I love the Orlando market. Um, anywhere on the West Coast is mine. I'll take it. Um, East Coast of Florida. We just picked up a 14 unit in West Palm Beach. So I got a, I got a footprint down there. Um, I've got teams in place. So I like West Palm as well. So I want to be able to put at least 40 to 50 single family homes on a, uh, on a lot size. Uh, with uh, zero lot lines, which means it has to be zoned multifamily. And then I, it makes sense financially for me to build single family homes on that structure. So it's a little, it's a little complicated. It's not, you know, a wholesale deal, buy it for this, flip it, you know, fix it for this, sell it for this. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a cool, it's a cool world to be in for sure. That's awesome, Dave. Thanks for sharing that. <clears throat> yeah. Now, there's a certain stigma out there sometimes with potential newbies and investors. Yeah. I owned a couple properties in Pensacola a while back, yeah. and I asked this opinion from somebody who actually had a property there, and then he told me something that I know would spook most people out there. He said, oh, I used to have a property in Florida. I got burnt by the hurricanes and I'm never, ever going to buy or invest in Florida again. So that's yeah, that stigma yeah. sometimes, whether it be in Texas or Florida or California sure. with the fires. How sure. do you kind of overcome that with certain investors? Yeah, that's a great question. So the great, great state of Florida is uh, um, uh, in, uh, incorporated substantial hurricane building codes, right? 
So our world consists of what's called CBS construction, cinder block and stucco construction, which is basically a bunker, right? So when that hurricane comes through, you know, the odds are pretty good. Plus there's this thing called insurance, uh, which, which isn't cheap, but it's a line item. So we go through it. So we're insured. And then our acquisitions are not right on the water. So I'm not worried about the rising tides and the floods and things of that nature. Um, it's, it's a hot topic right now. You've got this whole ESG and environmentally um, friendly investing um, areas. And, um, you know, I, I don't know whether it's more of a political um, commentary as to a solid uh, investment commentary. You know, with us at Freedom Venture Investments and our company, your longest run with me is, is probably six years. Um, and I, I don't know how high the water has to come to get to my front door in, Florida in six years. But, you know, to, to, to bring it down to, to common sense size, um, you know, I, I think we're covered. But I think those are all great questions, right? Does the developer, does the uh, seller of the asset that you're potentially going to take down in that Florida market, do they have an answer to that question that makes sense? And guess what? This is also a make sense answer. It's an act of nature. You decide whether you want to invest in this community or not. It's totally up to you. If you don't, somebody else will, and that's fine. I hope you can find, you know, opportunities that make you sleep well at night um, in other parts of the country. If it's not the Florida market because of hurricanes, you know, I look at Houston, Texas. Um, I look at that Alabama coastline uh, on the, on the um, Gulf of Mexico. Those places scare the crap out of me. I'm not investing there. I'm not investing there. On the Southwest Floridian coast, it takes a lot for that hurricane to get up from the Caribbean and then make a right-hand turn to get into Tampa, to get into, but it's got no problem going straight up and hitting New Orleans, hitting, see that, I got that New Orleans, I got the accent in and everything, <laughs> hitting New Orleans or hitting that Alabama coastline or that Houston coastline for flooding. You know, the, those hurricanes are, are hitting that consistently. So I personally won't invest there. So I, I am cognizant of, of that, you know, that it's not even an argument. It's just a, it's just a raising and an awareness. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's, that's how we approach that. And then to compete with that real quickly, we're an ESG friendly builder. So we're a green builder. Uh, all of the, the, the green codes that, that we can uh, accommodate when we build, uh, we do it. And I would highly suggest that anybody who's doing a, a single family up to four units, you know, run their numbers to incorporate um, uh, those, those those green um, options that there are in, in real estate today. So perfect, Dave. Now, yeah. ESG, you said it a couple of times, went over probably some of the audience's head. What does that stand yeah. for? You have to Google it. I don't know what the exact standing is. I think it's economically, um, economically smart. Google it. You tell me. That's why we got Google. ESG. I'm glad you mentioned that, Dave. You know, it's one of these things, audience. If you ever hear a term on the show, one yeah. of my mentors used to say, still says, GTS. You know what that stands for, Dave? Yeah. Google that stuff. All That's right. right. <laughs> Google yeah, knows ESG, everything. ESG, uh, socially responsible investing. Um, I don't even know what the actual word words mean here let's let's look it up to environmental social and governance that's what it means 
a criteria of increasing interest to companies, their investors and their stakeholders with growing concerns about the ethical quoted standards of companies and their standards of deliverables. So it's, uh, you know, it's like, you know, we're not using slave labor. We're not using sweatshops. We're not, you know what I'm saying? Like we're, we're a conscious oriented company. So, you know, we pay, we pay our wages appropriately. You know what I mean? It's that, I love it. it's that kind of concept. I so love sure. it. I love it. Okay. Dave, lastly, you know, you've, you've had a rough ride and you're coming out a champion, which I love. Those are all the hero journey stories. Sure. If you were talking to your sons at this tender age, when you may have started going down the wrong path or mm. the wrong side of the road, what would you do different? What would you share with them? What would you like, Hey, this is a faster, easier way. What mm. would you share with them? Yeah, that's, that's a great question as well. You know, I, I, I've been asked that before, Joe, and I think about it and I have to, I have to in honesty say, I wouldn't do anything different personally. Now, do I want my sons to experience the same pains and challenges and hurts and fears and doubts and insecurities that I've had in my life? Of course not. We don't want that for our children. But what I tell them today, and I sum it up really easy. <laughs> it's like, I don't even know where it came from, but it, it just is. When I, I drop my boys off every day at school, and if I ask them to come downstairs right now and jump on the podcast with us, I'd say to them, what does dad tell you every day he drops you off when you get out of the truck on the way to school? And it's real simple. Be a leader, not a follower. Don't let the other kids catch up and always bring the hammer down. Bring it down with confidence. And what that basically means is this, is that, you know, don't ever shy away from your own your own magnificence, man. I mean, think of our little people. They're perfect when they come out. It's just us that influence that perfection, right? So nurture it. Understand that education is only great if implemented. Educate, don't speculate, then implement. And um, finally, I, would, I wish somebody had said to me, own a business instead of owning a job. I really wish somebody had shared that with me early on. But I was a product of my past, Joe. So, you know, for me today, my kids' life is so dramatically different from my own. Um, my my nine-year-old Bennett likes to wear a, a suit and tie because he's going to be the CEO of Vilcorp, which is the uh, the number one real estate development company in the world. You know what I mean? Love it. And my older <laughs> my, my my other son Jefferson, you know, he's he's gonna he's gonna give uh, Zuckerberg a run for his money. You know what I mean? So that's that's. That's it. That's the message. And just understand these little, these little people absorb everything from us, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So what we present is what they then step into, you know? You the man, Dave. Uh, best way to get a hold of you, anything else you want to share? Yeah, man. Look, we go to our website. Go to freedomventure.com. Um, it's an institutionally oriented front door of a website. But if you dig around in there, there's still some great education. There's some information in there. Um, GTS, Dave Seymour, you'll find me on LinkedIn. Um, if you're a, 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 a passive investor and you want to learn about our offerings, um, just put in your info for accredited investors. We'll have our team connect with you and see if there's a fit. 
Um, I will put a disclaimer on that though, Joe, just because you've got money doesn't mean we want it. It's got to be a good fit, brother. <laughs> it's got to be a good fit for, for you, the investor, and us as the operators. But um, And then there's you can go old school, 781-922-4418. Um, that comes directly to me through my, uh, through my team. And um, I'll jump on the phone with you. It's all good. I'm not, uh, I'm not driving around on a private jet or a Rolls Royce, right? I'm the blue collar guy in the white collar world, so I'm available. Wow, Dave. Well, thank you so much for your words of wisdom, being on our show. I mean, it's, it's been a pleasure, you know, sharing this time with you and we wish you well, Dave. Thanks, Joe. God bless, man. Take care. Wow. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I hope you learned as much as I did or more. So guys, look at the comment thread. If you've seen something or heard something, want to learn more about something, please put it on the comment link below. If you're not a subscriber yet, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Go ahead and smash that bell to hear the latest and greatest on the show. Follow me on Facebook, follow me on Instagram. I'm putting this channel together to hopefully add incredible value to you. And if you wanna learn more about investing, you're new to investing, I highly recommend this book, Flex with a Plex. Also this book, if you're having some challenges, as you can see, everybody on the show had some kind of adversity, including yours truly. So I shared a lot of that on make it a comeback, giving you some incredible tips to make a comeback. So get either one, Plex with a Plex, or make it a comeback. If you want to get more tips, go ahead and go to joemendoza.com. Again, subscribe, share, like, make a comment below. I really, really appreciate you. Want to add incredible value and wish you all the best in your success in real estate and in life. Take care. Our company is not responsible for the success or failure of your business decisions relating to any information presented by our company or our company programs, products, and or services.